eyes on God, it does us good to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 We're already blessed by that. Thank you, Lady Anna, for leading us in praise and worship. And we're so pleased today to have the bishop back with us. Bishop, we honor you and appreciate you. So let me hand it over to you now. Thank you, Pastor Vince. Lady, bless your heart for another lovely time in the presence of God. Church, I believe that his goodness is reflecting over you. And you are enjoying the summer, although the weather has been a bit a bit dodgy, but we're making the best out of it. The Bible says that in all situations, we should give thanks to God because that is the will of God for our lives. So I believe that you are enjoying the summer to the fullest with a great sense of appreciation. Every week, one time is coming and approaching for us to come together. Butterflies begin to move within my spirit. A great sense of excitement and joy always exudes within me. Why? Because we are coming together as saints of God that are bought by the blood of the Lamb. As a common family with one Father, one Spirit, one baptism, one Lord. Coming together to lift the banner of Jesus very high. So it sends always great joy in my heart and in my spirit. I believe it does the same for you. So I want to take this opportunity to welcome all of you once again. I know that Pastor Vince has done that, but I want to do it again. So that you feel specially welcome and know that you mean a lot to God. You mean a lot to the church and you mean a lot to me as the under-shepherd of the house. May God's glory and goodness continue to be upon you and your families as you continue to seek the face of God, as you continue to seek knowledge to do the best that God wants you and I to do in this life, this short life that he has given to us is a joy. I want us today to continue with our studies on generational blessings too. Generational blessings too. Well, for some time, as I said, I've been doing a teaching on, I mean, you are blessed beyond a curse. And I am jumping to the end part of, of the teaching to cement in you or to build a strong, formidable understanding and strength within you that no matter what happens, you are blessed beyond a curse. And no arrows of the enemy, no attacks of the wicked one that at times can be expressed physically, notably and tangibly in your body can thwart what God has done through Jesus Christ for you and for me. So we want this to be the looming understanding of our walk with God in our hearts and in our minds. So that as we learn, just for learning's sake, about other things concerning curses and that kind of thing, we will not come to a place of fear or intimidation. But rather, we'll put it into context and we'll put it in perspective and know that in spite of what curses stand for, in spite of what can cause a curse, we are blessed beyond a curse. Glory to God. I don't know that if you did get time to go over the prophetic I mean, declaration last week. Last week, I couldn't stop. It was just, I mean, flowing nonstop. 
And I mean, I mean, it's just when I finished and after I came back from church and I listened to it again, I was so much electrified, blessed myself that God was speaking, I mean, directly into our lives, tangibly and notably like that. Today, we want to continue. Generational Blessings 2. And I want us to read our main scripture. Our main scripture which is found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 7 to 10. I'll be repeating and repeating because I wanted to register. Today I'm reading from the New International Version. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 7 to 10. Let's hear the word of God. Amen. Amen. It reads, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Pushing the children or punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. By showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I just want us to emphasize the verse number 10. He says, but showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandment. Note it, he says, those who hate me, I will extend my punishment to them from their parents through to their children to a third and fourth generation. But then to those who love me, I will extend my blessings to them to a thousand generations. And he, he uses Thousand generations, thousands in other translations, you say thousands. That means that you cannot count when the blessing of God is channeled to you and to me. Through Jesus Christ, God has broken every curse. Because when we read John chapter 10, Another scripture that I want you to, which is we are all very familiar, but I want to bring it to your attention forcefully, is John chapter 10, verse 10. And it's clear, it reads that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The intention of Christ is for you and I to have life to the full. The thief is the devil. He comes to steal, to steal our blessings, to steal good things, to steal our potential, our ability. But Jesus came that you and I may have life and have it abundantly. And our focus is on what Jesus has done for us. Because it is through Jesus Christ that we have the new covenant. And in the new covenant, he has extended, God has extended his blessings through Jesus Christ to us. 
to thousands of generations. That means that the blessings that God has extended to us through Jesus Christ, we cannot come to the end of it. So when we read Galatians again, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Christ redeemed us, noted, redeemed, already done, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us, noted, in order that he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. It's so amazing. I mean, through Jesus Christ, the redemption has been done, and the redemption has been done so that the blessings of Abraham, which was only meant for the Jews, will now be passed on through Jesus Christ to those who are not Jews, that is the Gentiles, that is you and I, and all those who are not Jews under the planet Earth, so that we through faith might receive the promise of the Spirit. And this is where I bring to your attention that Christ has done it, but there is a corresponding action that you and I need to take in order to lay hold on what Christ has already done. We are redeemed already. There are three facets of the redemption of Christ. Note it carefully. He, he went to the slave market. He bought us with his blood at the slave market. You see, most of the time when people are doing trading and let's say they go to market to buy and they are traders, at times they will take what they have bought to another market to go and sell to make a profit of it. But with Jesus, he bought us at the slave market with his blood from the hands of the devil who did not come but to steal, to kill and to destroy. But when he bought us, he did not seek to make profit over us in another market. He took us home. That is the second step. The first step, he bought us with the blood. The second step, he took us home. And there are some people when, let's say, they set, they help somebody, they take them home and then they'll go and also enslave them in their homes. But then the good thing is Jesus bought us first, took us home too, and the third is he has set us free. It is so amazing. So the redemption has three pictures. We are bought with a price, we are taken home, and then we are set free. If the Son of God shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. What are you free to do? You are free in Christ to respond to him accordingly. So that what he has already done will become yours for the taking. Will show forth and manifest in your life. If not, you are free, but you can use your freedom to do what you are not supposed to do. And it can undermine your ability to receive the blessings that Jesus has purchased for you and I with the shed blood and eternal covenant. So you got to know that there is a corresponding action. He has done it already, so you are not going to do it. He has done it already. But just that you got to respond. You got to respond. You got to respond. If the Son of Christ shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. But the question is, what are you using your freedom to do? What are you using your freedom in every area of your life to do? That would determine how you can enjoy to the fullest all the blessings that Christ 
has purchased with his blood for us. So you are blessed beyond a curse. But your response in your freedom will determine the scope or the dimension of the, 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 the enthusiasm that you can derive from the finished work of Jesus. It is so, so, if it registers, you will never be afraid of what demons, witches are doing because you know that you are free. He has bought you. Demons don't have a hold over you. They will try, but they will be disgraced in the long run that you will be a showpiece of the manifestation of the glory and the goodness of God that in due course as you engage with the process, you will come to a place where you will manifest all the kingdom manifestations and blessings that Christ has already purchased with your name attached to it, your name is attached to it, you can never be robbed, you can never, never, never it can never be snatched from you because your name is attached to it and I am excited in this fact that I am not begging to gain the attention of Jesus Christ, Jesus has rather been chasing me, looking for me to bring me to a place where I can respond to the full manifestation of all that he has done and purchased with his blood for us. So I want you to know again, Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full. That you may have life, note it, and have it to the full. Having it to the full will be dependent upon your response, your corresponding action. Having it, yes, you have life as soon as you accept Jesus Christ, but then having life to the full is the extra dimension that comes depending on how you respond, your corresponding action to what Christ has already done at the Calvary's cross. That is why we always say that in the covenant, there are responsibilities. In the covenant, there are responsibilities. We cannot just go about and say, I'm a child of God, and then we don't, we don't respond to our full royal responsibilities in the house. Say, I will respond, I will respond. to my royal responsibilities. I'm not hearing you. We, we are a lot. Let me hear your voice. Say, I will respond to my royal responsibilities in the house. Glory to God. If you look at it from this picture and know that you are royalty and you are responding to your royal duties, it will not come to you as a chore. That is why I told you that Jesus came that we will have, because the Bible says that all the promises of Christ last week, last two weeks, are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. But then I emphasize that you have to go through faith and patience in order to inherit the promise. That is Hebrews 6, verse 12. So that is your password. To assess all that Jesus has done. All that is yours and aiming in Christ Jesus. That is, you have to go through faith and patience. Faith and patience. It is through faith and patience that we inherit all the promises which are yes and aiming in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. And also I told you that yes, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Not that the new is going to come. The new has come already. 
You see, God works the end from the beginning. That is our kingdom. That is how our kingdom is. Jesus has done it. It's a done deal. It is sealed with the blood. It cannot be changed. He has the seals of God, the seal of approval, placed upon it. That it can never, that seal can never be broken by any spirit, by any entity. You are special. Somebody say amen. Amen. The seal of God over your life cannot be broken. But then he says, all things are new. But then he says, you need to put off the old man or the old nature and put on. That means that irrespective of the fact that we are new creation, our old nature, because it, the age is not fully consummated, will try to stage a comeback. That is why at times we, we try to, if, if, you, if you notice, you love God. Nothing has changed in your heart. But if you are not careful, you will relapse into the old tendencies. And if you are not careful, you, 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 when you relax, uh, you relapse and you go into the old tendencies, you will even try to justify it. Although you love God, although you are a new creation. That is why he says that your corresponding action is to put off and to put on. The putting off is your royal duty. Say the putting off. The putting off of the old man. It's my royal duty. Somebody say amen. You put off and then you put on. After you put off, then you put on. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a two-tier action. You put off the old nature, the old behavior, the old lifestyle, the old gossip, the old cantankerous nature. I remember one time, let's laugh over this. One time, one of, my, the pastor, one of the pastors, I laughed so much. I, used to, I was living with him in, in Hackney. We're in the same house. And then, uh, you see, uh, I've told you this. I mean, the bed, that I, uh, the bed that I slept on to buy the ticket and get a school for him to come was a, a, was a, was a single bed lying on the floor. A single bed lying on the floor. And I slept on that. And less than one year of me being in this country, I bought a ticket, paid school fees here, and got admission for him. And then I brought him. And when I brought him, I had an upgrade into the next room, which had a double bed. So he had to go into where I slept to gather money to bring him. And then his, his in-law came and then he took his mother-in-law to go and see his bed lying on the floor. To be frank, when I came and he told me that, oh, my, my mother-in-law came here and he saw my bed. And she, she's so, so disappointed that how can a pastor's bed be on the floor. Somebody say amen. Hello. So when he said that, do you know do you know what happened? To be frank, that day it was almost like my old nature came. I nearly slapped him. I nearly slapped my hand was moving like that. I said, You think I'm a fool? I slept on this for one year to pay your school fees and to buy a ticket for you to come. And now you come here and you are showing it to people. So I was a fool sleeping on it to gather money for you and to bring you. Somebody say amen. amen. So the old nature, 
at times we'll try to come and we, we always need to be very careful that we don't entertain and encourage the old nature. It doesn't matter how justified we feel we are because the old nature will taint the goodness of Christ in us. And that is something we don't want to play around with. Yes, we are growing gradually, but still he says that for you to be able to live in the fullness of the new nature of Christ that he has already purchased for us, you need to put off and put on the new man. Three, this one, I don't think I I spoke to you about it. And I, I want us to, I mean, you see, this uh, speaks of the fact that Christ has crucified the sinful nature with its, with its passions and desires. Christ has crucified, when he went to the cross, he has crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. When he went to the cross, he took all our sinful nature and nailed it to the cross. But then for us to walk in the fullness of holiness, exhibiting the holy nature of God, we need to do something. This that Christ has done for us is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. If you read Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, I want to read it briefly before we go on to what we are supposed to do. Galatians 5, verse 24. I'm still in New International Version. If it becomes necessary, I'll go to... Uh, New King James Version. But then he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus, noted, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, it has been crucified already. Past tense. But we all know that I still, we still do have, I mean, sinful desires that edges and desires that come into us in diverse ways. So if you don't know what you are supposed to do, you will say that ah, but Christ said he has, he has crucified it for us and all the passions to the cross. Why is it that we still have the agents? Because there is a corresponding action that you and I, we need to embark on. If we embark on the corresponding action, I can guarantee you that all the edges and the passions of the I mean, of the sinful nature or the flesh will not have dominion or influence over us. And uh, that is what I want us to look at in Ephesians. Sorry, it's in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Colossians 3 verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he enumerates what belongs to our earthly nature, and that is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I want to repeat it again. Now he's telling us that I've crucified it, but then this is your corresponding action. This is what you have to do for what I have already done to manifest in your life. You have to put to death. In another translation, he says mortify. That is the King James. The King James says mortify. To mortify means to kill. So that means there are some edges that will still be working in us, but we got to kill it. He says put to death. How do we kill it? We kill it by speaking in tongues. We kill it by reading the Bible. We kill it by listening to worship songs. We kill it by associating with good people. Always being, I mean, amongst people. 
who will edify you, who will speak good things into your life, who will encourage you to grow in the word of God. Bad company can ruin good morals. So the people you surround yourself with, you say, no, no, no. But before you realize, you are behaving even worse than them. Why? Because you have surrounded yourself with wrong people. But if you surround yourself with the right people who challenge you, who motivate you, who encourage you, that even you see that among yourselves, if one is slipping, then one is lifting the other. If one is, And this is how the Christian life is about. We are there to be helping and encouraging one another. Speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts so that we'll be filled with the Spirit. Unless we do this to kill, to mortify the flesh, you'll be a Christian and if you're not careful, you go and stand somewhere and fight and even forget that you're a Christian. Or insult people. The dear temple and kawa kumakura. Eh, media, oh yes, I media make it kabia chrewo. No, 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 no. We don't pay people back in their own coin. Christ has bought your mouth. Christ has bought your heart. Oh, glory to God. And he has filled you with a spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to give us a new language. And this is what we need to kill in ourselves. In, in Ghana, I was telling them that, uh, especially the men. Excuse me, ladies. You're all grown up, so uh, don't feel bad about this. You see, with men, especially when it comes to erection, you see, it's, it, it's, a, ref, it's a reflex action. At times, you are not thinking of anything bad. But before you realize, the little man will rise up. And let me tell you, if the little man rises up, you control the little man with your brains. So I was telling them in Ghana that the fact that your little man rises doesn't mean that it's direction. Go to the next person who is available. No, 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 no. If not, men will be disgraced. Because wherever you go, your little man will be rising here and there, here and there without your influence. That is what we mean control. You are mortifying it. You are deadening it. I know that, I mean, uh, uh, women, you also have edges. You also have desires. Uh, I don't want to use too much, I mean, uh, strong language. I mean, because, I mean, the, the women, you are our mothers, so we don't talk too much about, I mean, women. I mean, my dad trained me to respect women, even if they are little. So I always choose my words carefully when I'm talking to women. I thought the woman in the house would say amen. Glory to God. <laughs> You're welcome, I mean. So, you see, we, we need to learn to control. It's, it's dead in it. Put it down. But you can only do that by your, the way you go through the word of God a lot, the way you pray in tongues a lot, the way you fast a lot. Our 21 days fasting is coming very soon, please. It's going to be every day. We'll be meeting every day to pray. And I want you to start preparing yourself so that when we start, I want us to start it and finish before we will do our first leadership, I mean, the last Saturday of September, where we'll all meet. I mean, the leaders will meet to pray together and to study together. 
I mean, uh, uh, there's, there's, like I told you last week, if there's any time that we will want to give ourselves more to the things of God, it is now. Let's go to the next, the next blessings that Jesus has already. These are generational blessings. Nothing can change it. It's generational. If you stand in it very well, it, it transfers to your children and your children's children. Even when they are not born again, they will see the benefits of it until they become born again. It is so, so, so amazing. It is God's, oh, glory to God, God's display of his love and respect for his covenant dealings with his people. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Because of you, your children and your children's children are on good footing and they will do well in life. They will do well. They will blossom. They will prosper. They will be lifted up. They will be glorified because of you. And that, this is what we call generational blessings. And it is because that you have sacrificed to embrace what Jesus has done. And that you are doing the corresponding action to a thousand generations. Look at that. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. The next is that the Bible says that God shall supply all our needs according to Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I know a lot of people could that, but there is a corresponding action. God is ready to supply anything you need. God has made provision. It is a done deal. It is sealed. Your name is attached to it. But then it got to, there should be a corresponding action that will let that be released into your bosom. To be released into your hands. And the first is in John chapter 16 verse 24. And it says that we should ask. It says since you believe you've not asked me anything. Ask so that you shall receive. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So, God has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And your God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ's glory. This is a done deal. But then the corresponding action is that you got to ask. The asking bit is your prayer level. Ask. Amen. Means that you are telling God, God, I depend on you. I don't live by myself. Ask, seek, and knock. That is ask. Ask means ask. It means seek, yes, and then the K means knock. That is tenacity in prayer. That is why we keep fasting and praying and praying. Though Jesus has done it. He has supplied all our needs according to his riches. He has crucified all our passions and our sinful nature to the cross. He has made us new. But then as we do our corresponding part, our royal duties, our royal responsibilities, we establish it and say we know that we know that this is what you've done for us. We like it and we position ourselves to manifest it in our lifetime. That is what if we don't, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, it's, it's a done deal, but you will not manifest it. The Bible says that creation is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. They are waiting that will show forth in the full splendor of all the generational blessings that Jesus has already done for us. 
And this is your faith response. Your faith response is you do your part of it. And it's not only asking. Also in Luke 6, 38, what does the Bible say? He says, give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. When it comes to, if you read it carefully, the giving there is about money. It's not about anything else specifically in context. It's about money. Church, let's not stop giving. Never stop giving your part of the covenant responsibility. Because in that, he shall also supply all your needs according to riches in Christ Jesus. That is where he blows your mind. He surprises you. Church you are not expecting will come your way. Blessings you are not expecting. Opportunities you are not expecting. Promotions that you are not expecting will come your way. Why? Because you've been giving. And then God is supplying all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I need an amen here. Church, let's come to a point. We've been doing it, but you see, for some time, I don't talk too much about Tithes and offerings. I don't. Because I, I, I don't want it to be like we are forcing anybody. But for the years that you've been with God and you've been in this assembly, you know that we teach tithing. You know that we teach offerings. And you know that we teach prophetic giving. And we teach thanksgiving offering. These are all in the Bible. Do your part of it and see if God will not supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I always say this. If we depend only on the resources of man, then we who are preachers will be beggars all the time. Because the month doesn't come to an end where I go to any organization to go and say, that give me my salary. But God provides. And this is what I want to use to tell you that your part of the royalty, don't let it become difficult or don't sacrifice it for any physical consumptions and any flimsy, flimsy expenditures. Even at times, God will push you in a corner and then it will seem like, hey, if I, if I, I, I give my tithe, the things I'm supposed to do is going to be tough. He's testing you. He's testing you. You give your time. And as you do it, you will see. You have testimonies upon testimonies. Amen. Amen. Go beyond the ordinary living because he shall supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let this be encouragement. And if you have laughed somewhere, please correct it. And today, before I end, I'm going to challenge you. Because I believe that there should be a prophetic outflow of God's goodness in your life. Time is far spent, actually. And before we go today, I've got about three more to, to, to teach on it. I'll finish it on next week. But before we go, I'm not going to ask you to mention it. 
but I feel an edge of a prophetic seeding that all of us should seed prophetically into the work of God. As we've been going on, because maybe some of the things that we've, we've spoken about and that kind of thing, maybe at times if you are not careful, you look at it, it's not, it's not showing, it's not manifesting. If you are not careful, that will let you know that, oh, we spoke about this, we spoke about it. But please note it. When it comes to the prophetic things that God lays on my heart, I don't hold the time. I don't know when he will want us to do it physically. So some, it will appear to delay. But because the vision is for an appointed time, it will speak. All that we have to do is to write it down. Make a note of it. It's been a long time since some of the things God spoke to me. Some of the things he spoke to me, it was as soon as I got born again. And then he spoke to me that you will do this, you will do this. But it's taken a long time. So over 30 years, we are now starting those things. And I look back and I say, God, you are faithful. So I want to challenge you. I'm not going to, um, uh, it's not going to be, I mean, too much of a burden. But then even if prophetically God burdens you, respond to the burden and see what he will do. He shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Today, as we are finishing, I want us to pledge within our hearts and give within two weeks, 200 to support the work of God, 100 to support the work of God, 50 to support the work of God and anything else that God will put on your heart. 200, 100, 50, and anything else that God will put on your heart. Please, if you put it, add prophetic seed and it should go to the church account. Please, not my personal account. Church account, torchbearers account because this is to support the work of God. 200, 100, 50, and anything else that God will put on your heart. This is a prophetic charge. And God said to say to you, as you respond, he is going to supply your needs according to the abundance in Christ Jesus. Two weeks. Let's do it. And let's God's glory manifest in our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. And Nothing is going to interrupt our pursuit of his presence. Remember, <coughs> the, the focus of our fasting is for God to guide us into the realization of our divine assignments individually. I want you to know that when it comes to God, God created time, but God is not bound by time. So your, your desire to do the assignment of God is never late. So if you've not even stepped into it, or if you are in it and it's, maybe you are confused, you don't know how to go about it, God will bring clarity through his Holy Spirit as we go through this season of waiting upon God. So I want you to continue with all uh, tenacity and uh, focus on the goodness of God. Today, if very in the very wee hours of the morning, the Spirit of God was hovering over me, and then he gave us the psalm that he has indicated to us that we need to, I mean, take it before, I mean, our time of prayer, to ponder over it and to muse over it and to meditate and also to use it to pray.
also is calling us to use the Psalms from 1 to 150 to as our I mean our reading focus I mean for the time of fasting so we have I mean still I mean about 20 days ahead of us so what you want to do is every day I mean uh, if you can read about three or four chapters of the Psalms and then when we finish in the course I'm, I'm going to start I mean because he spoke to me just this morning so I'm going to do a manual a handout not a manual a handout that I will send to all of you. I'll take your addresses and I'll post to you so that we will all, after we have read to 150, you also do a study of it so that the nuggets of truth, I mean, this is a rima that he has given to us. So as we are seeking him and also in continuation, we will read and finish for the fasting and then we will do a study guided by, I mean, the, I mean the, the, the notes that I will send to each and every one of us. So, I mean, let's get ourselves geared. God is really interested. Anytime that uh, he leads us to set some time aside, I mean, it's a very special time that he, I mean, invites us to engage with him and with his presence. So I encourage you to persist and continue if you can. I mean, tell your friends, tell your family members who want to join. And I mean, invite them. These are not just, I mean, ordinary times. I'm not doing Facebook because, I mean, this is, I mean, almost like, I mean, God wants us to concentrate and let it be an in-house thing just concerning us. So uh, I want you to, if you can, just, I mean, tell other people. I've been sending the link, I mean, to other people on, on my, I mean, on my uh, my contact so you can do likewise and then you can explain to them and tell them that we are reading psalms and the focus is about divine assignments i mean and uh, also the notes if they, they come and they need some of the notes uh, we can send i mean a copy of the notes to them so that afterwards they can also join to do the study so i mean we are gathering momentum into realizing all the good things that god has designed for our lives and most especially to grow in our desire for him. Because he says, if we gain the whole world and we lose our soul, we have not gained anything. So we want our I mean, desire for him, our desire to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, to increase. Because that is the foremost thing that God is expecting from us as his children, that we will be like Jesus in all aspects of our lives. So as we are continuing, please remember that every evening, it's every, all the weekdays, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I mean, we'll be meeting, I mean, every evening, 7.30, and then we'll finish at 8.30. So make sure that you make a time and join till we bring the fasting to an end. Like I always say, fasting periods are not something we do every day. But, I mean, when God indicates to us, then all of us must, I mean, ask God to give us the strength to join. You know, I believe that, I mean, his goodness will shine in your life and also reflect into, I mean, your home, your friends, and, I mean, your loved ones. And God's glory will be seen over all of us in a very special way. 
I want us today to continue to finish on our generational blessings. Generational blessings. Last last week uh, we 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 came to the point where the Bible was telling us that according to Philippians four nineteen that our God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. If you look at it, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, although he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty will be made rich. But then the question comes that, why is it that, I mean, at times we go through, I mean, let's say, and this is specifically to do with especially financial, I mean, blessings. And then I, uh, we spoke and studied that there are corresponding actions that you and I have to take for, I mean, the blessing to be made manifest in our lives. In all the, I mean, generational blessings, Jesus has done it. He has finished it. He has sealed it with his blood. As far as the realm of the spirit is concerned, it's already done. But then as covenant people, we have our individual royal responsibilities. If you remember, don't ever forget this concerning, I mean, the generational blessings. Always remember that I, as a royalty, or as a royal, have my royal responsibility in order to lay hold on what my name is already attached by Jesus Christ. It, 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 is, it is so amazing that he has done it already, but then we got to do our corresponding action for the manifestation to happen. And we remember that I was led to challenge us to do, I mean, uh, uh, a prophetic seed, which also you know that, I mean, I only ask when I am led of the Spirit of God and I was led. So if you've done yours, God richly bless you. If you are yet to do, remember, I mean, the prophetically it was two weeks and technically today is the last day, but then God is a merciful God. So even if it extends to the following day, but prophetically, usually if God says something, it's better you stay within the remit of the guidance because this is purely a prophetic word so that uh, God can also do I mean, what he designs to do for you and for my life. I want us to go to the next point. With the giving, I've spoken a lot. I did speak a lot about it. So now the next uh, a blessing, generational blessing that you and I need to take note of is the Bible says that according to First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-four. Note it, First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-four. He says, "By Christ's stripes, or by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you have been healed. You have been healed." Please note it. It is in the past tense. That is the generational blessings. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter the bombardment of the enemy, throwing sicknesses, weaknesses, bodily weaknesses against you, attacking you at times with COVID or with various, I mean, high blood pressure. At times, I mean, attacking you with, I mean, uh, high sugar levels and attacking you with, I mean, palpitation and heartbeat. I want you to know that you are healed. This is the covenant blessing. 
Yes, at times we may go through, I mean, the manifestation of physical things by, let's say, being hospitalized, going for various checks and various blood work and everything. But still, the truth still remains that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Please, by virtue of the covenant blessing, we are healed. Not that we are going to be healed. As we have said it and said it, and I want to repeat it again, that you see, when you read, the Bible says that they gave Jesus Christ, I mean, 39 stripes on his back. That means it was 40 save one, meaning that they didn't want the stripes to kill him. But then it is identified that all the major sicknesses, if it's categorized medically, if all the major, major sicknesses, we have little, little ones, they all come under 39 major medical conditions. So God, meticulously, God has taken into consideration every sickness that can affect and attack you and I in our work with him. And he has already made provision. He has already made provision through the stripes of Jesus. Remember, as believers, God has done it and we got to know the corresponding action to always take so that what Christ has already finished will become a reality in our lives. This is what we call the faith walk. We call things together with God, which be not as if they are, because God has already done it. The Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, we give evidence to things that we have not yet seen. Though spiritually, it is a done deal. Please get this so that you don't despair. When it happens that maybe you go through bodily weakness or attacks of the enemy or satanic attacks from various angles. You have pain in your legs. You have pain in your heart. You have pain in your head. You have pain in your blood. Whatever form the enemy will take, when it comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against the enemy. Please note it. It is a done deal according to our covenant generational blessings. According to our covenant, not that Jesus is now going to heal. By his stripes, we have been healed already. Let's all say this as an affirmation. Say, by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed. Any attack of sickness. In my body, in my heart, in my blood, in my mind, in my tissues, in my nerves, I am healed already. I speak to you high blood pressure. In the name of Jesus. You don't have any hold over my life. I command you out of my life now. In Jesus name. 
Let's speak in tongues a little bit to seal our healing, to establish it. For Christ has done it already. Father, your children are establishing the finished work of Jesus in healing of God through the stripes of Jesus. We are made whole. We are set free. We are empowered. We are delivered. We are healed. We are strengthened. We are empowered, my Lord, by the blood of Jesus Christ through the stripes of Jesus. We are totally made whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You see, if you look at it, as First Peter 2.24 says that through, I mean, the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Yet, the corresponding action is, one of it is found in James chapter 5, verse 14. And I, I want to read that. You see, the corresponding actions, I always read it. And I want to read it for us. I mean, I can paraphrase, but I want to read it. James chapter 5, verse 14. James chapter 5, verse 14. I want to start from 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it. He has already done it. Establish it in the realm of the spy. He's giving us the corresponding action. And this is our responsibility as royals in the household of God. This is our, so if any sickness come, you need to agree with the elders of the church. When we talk of the elders, the word elders there comes from episcopus, from which we get, I mean, the word shepherd, and also we get the word bishop. The Bible is saying, a call for your leaders so that they will lay their hands on you, and they will anoint you with oil, and a prayer of faith will set you free. You see, he gives us what we are to do, just in case. Just in case. Because we are still in a fallen world. He has already done it. But then this is our duty. Just as when he said, I will supply all your needs. He says, give and it shall be given back to you. So when we neglect the corresponding action, that is where the enemy capitalizes. Because the enemy sees that somehow what we are supposed to do to cement ourselves in what Christ has already done, we are not doing don't neglect your part. Don't play with laying of hands. Don't joke with anointing of oil. When you are anointed, call for the leaders. Wherever you are, if you allow it, we will come, we will lay our hands on you, we will anoint you and we will pray over you as the Lord will lead. I prepare all you most of the time. At times, I send them even by, the, by post to people so that they will apply it and I will agree with them and pray with them. Why? Because that is the corresponding action that God has given to us. You see, the same thing when the disciples went out, they anointed people with oil and demons were cast out from people. You see, 
when it, when it comes to the need, I've seen some people who try to at times some ministers they try to downplay anointing oil. No, in the New Testament, it starts from the Old Testament and it comes into the New Testament during the time of Jesus and also in the epistles. He says that if any of us is sick, we should call for the ministers, the leaders of the church, so that they will pray over you, anointing you with oil, and a prayer of faith will bring healing to you. Remember, that is the corresponding action. Please, if we neglect the corresponding action, the enemy can throw things at us and cause you to think that somehow what Christ has done is not working or it's not showing forth. And please don't change your language. There are so many things we will pray and pray and pray. At times it will take a long time before we see physical results. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep confessing. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Don't say I'm going to be healed. I am healed. At times, as you are saying it, you'll be feeling the pain. You get up, the pain is there. Or if it's somebody you are praying for, as you are praying at times, it may be getting worse. Continue. Don't give up. Confess positively. That is how God moves on our behalf. Because we are calling things which has not yet manifested as they are, as they have already been established. And you see, as we, we confess positively, God moves. At times, it's a test to prove whether we believe what we claim we believe. At times, too, it is a test to see that if you know the corresponding action, or if you'll be humble enough, or if you'll be obedient enough to allow the word of God to have supremacy in your life. Whatever God says we should do, we will do and do and do and do and do no matter what happens. It doesn't matter what we see because we are not people who move by what we see. We are only moved by the word of God. And it's only God's report that we will believe. That is why we are called believers. We believe that Christ has done it and that settles the question. If it requires that we have to call for the elders, we are going to do. Even if they lay hands and pray and we still feel the pain, we will say by the stripes we are healed. We are not lying. We are affirming the word of God. And this is what brings full manifestation. As we remain human, if you are not careful, at times your mind and your flesh can trick you. For you to speak like, oh, it's not working. Oh, we've been praying. Oh, I'm, I'm not even seeing any results. As soon as you go into that way, remember, a person's life shall be satisfied by the fruit of their lips. What you speak through your lips, that is what will happen in your life. It means that you are cementing, you are giving the devil a place to afflict you with what he is not supposed to afflict you with. So what you have to do is keep speaking it by the stripes of Jesus. We are healed. You go to the doctor. The doctor increases your, your medication. Still, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Keep speaking it. Keep speaking it. And as the occasion will allow, call for anointing oil. Let's pray over you. Keep speaking it. Call for prayer. Keep speaking it. And before you realize, a testimony and a testament of the faithful of God will be established in your life. Church, no sickness can stand the blood of Jesus. Amen. Alida. Alida, whoever said amen, I want all of us to say amen. Amen. Glory to God. No matter what happens, please, I want you to know that the blood of Jesus prevails over all sicknesses. 
I want you to know as we continue on moving on to the next one, the sixth one, the Bible says that according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, note it carefully, one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus died to destroy the works of the devil. I want us to read it. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest, that he would do what? He would destroy the works of the devil. Let's read it as it is. And let it go into you. This is one of the covenant blessings. One of the covenant blessings. And it's looming so strong before you and I. And it, all the covenant blessings are finished through the Calvary's cross of Jesus Christ. It's not that he's going to do it. It's already done. First John chapter 3 verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Noted, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we, it's the B part that we are emphasizing. For this purpose, the kingdom said, for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he would destroy the works of the devil. Somebody shout and say hallelujah. You see, it's not some of the works of the devil. All the works of the devil has been destroyed by the coming of Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ is, I mean, culminated in the resurrection. So anytime we talk about Jesus coming, we're talking about Jesus going to the cross and then being put in the grave and then conquering the grave, the devil and death. These were conquered. When Jesus went to the grave. And as a result of that, when he rose victoriously, it is sealed that he has destroyed the works of the devil. That is why he speaks to us that I give you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Why? Because he has already destroyed, disarmed the devil. He has disarmed the devil. And he has made a public show of the devil according to Colossians 2.15. Openly triumphant over Satan. Openly. By the nakedness on the cross, he has openly triumphed over every arsenal of the devil. Every weapon of the devil. Please, this is a generational blessing. It is done deal through the finished work of Jesus. We cannot add to it. We cannot take away from it. But for it to manifest, to work tangibly, notably, visibly. You know, because the devil is not taken away from this world. His time is not yet up. So you continue to attack, harass, throw things against us until that time that he will be bound and thrown into the bottomless pit. Until that time, the Bible, Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming. But thank God that Jesus did not stop there. Jesus said, but he has nothing in me. And this is where Jesus is bringing us to. He was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And then I know we need to ask ourselves, so Bishop, what is the corresponding royal responsibility? Always remember that. The corresponding royal responsibility. Corresponding royal responsibility. That is what will make the, that which Jesus has already finished to become a living reality in your life. The corresponding 
corresponding royal responsibility is found in James chapter 4 verse 7. James chapter 4 verse 7. I love it so much. I love that. I can, the paraphrasing says that submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Somebody say amen. amen. But I want us to read it. James chapter 4 verse 7. He says, therefore, submit to God. Therefore, submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Nothing. So now we want to break that down. Jesus has already done it. Because he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he's now seated on the right hand side of the father. And when he shouted, it is finished. That means he has done. He has finished the devil. He has disarmed the devil. He has made a public show of the devil. But then your royal responsibility is found in James 4, 7. He says, therefore, submit. Therefore, therefore, what? Therefore, because of what Christ has already done by disarming the devil, Submit yourself therefore unto God. So if you don't submit yourself unto God, and if you don't learn to resist the devil, the devil will not flee from you. Although he's not supposed to have an upper hand against you, but you are not submitting, you are not resisting. So now he's not supposed to, but the Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's stealing, he's stealing your, your health. He's stealing your freedom. He's stealing your happiness. He's stealing your progress. He's stealing your elevation. Why? Because you are not submitting unto God and you are not resisting the devil. So he is not fleeing. I teach on, it's a whole big subject in itself, submission to God. But then quickly on top of my head, when we say submit to God, we are talking about submitting, bringing yourself under the word of God. Do you see, in most areas in our lives, God has a corresponding word that we need to apply. Know it and apply it to your life. Know it and apply it to your life. Don't pick and choose. Don't make the hand of God short. By overlooking some of the word that he has given to us. You can only be seen as submitting to God by submitting to the word. And then after that he says resist the devil. How do we resist the devil? Through prayer. The submission bit is very complex. It's a very huge subject. But I want to use only the word of God. Also submitting to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit speaks. When the Holy Spirit guides you. You go the way of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gives you a prompting. You respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because we are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. This is the time of the Holy Spirit. Although the Trinity is working. But the Holy Spirit is at the forefront. The church age is also called the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. If you look at, I mean, right from the creation, God the Father was at the forefront. Although God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were all together because God gave the word. The Holy Spirit brewed. He brewed over the, the waters and then creation came. You see them all three. God said, now let us. But then when you come to the New Testament, you see Jesus Christ. He was conceived. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And when his time was finished, he said, it is expedient for you that I go. If I do not go, the comforter is not come. But when I go, I'll send you another comforter. And when he is come, he will guide you into all truth. 
That is John 16. You see, we, 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 we need to submit to the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That is why the Bible says we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. A lot of Christians grieve the Holy Spirit. A lot of Christians resist the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit is so gentle that when you grieve and resist, then he, he goes almost like quiet in you. He has not left. He doesn't leave us. He will never leave any believer. But then he goes quiet. Because you are not in harmony. You are not in agreement. So now, his influence goes down. And if you look at the influence going down, it is you, your conscience, that is seared with a hot iron so that you cannot feel the prompting of the Spirit anymore. That is the submission aspect. Submission. We have to submit to governmental authorities. We have to submit to church authorities. We have to submit to our home structure. You see, all these things are aspects of the submission. I'll teach it, take my time and teach it at an appropriate time because as I said, submission is a whole topic in itself. But then, he says, submit therefore unto God. So is the word, the Holy Spirit, and the leading of Jesus Christ, I mean, as he moves you and all aspects of submission that God has spoken about in the Bible. And then it is in that that you have the strength to resist. Resisting the devil is when you take a stand. The Bible says, having done all therefore, you put on the whole armor of God. And then having done all therefore, you do what? You stand. You take a stand. You cannot resist the devil by not standing. Too many Christians are too wobbly. We are too wobbly. Persist in strength. Persist in your confession. Don't give up. In a, devil, you are in the wrong place. Devil, you are attacking the wrong person. I'm a child of God. I'm bought by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has destroyed your works. You don't have any influence over my life. I command your hold to be broken. I resist you. I bind you. I curse you. I command you out of my life. And then you add a bit of, I mean, tongue speaking. But this one confesses. Speak it in your own tongue, your own language. So that, I mean, you, you hear yourself saying it and commanding the devil out of your life. You can't resist and not speak out. You can resist and not take a stand. Resisting is, 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 is a battle is, is a battle language. Somebody say amen. amen. So you got to resist the devil fiercely. No matter what he's throwing at you. Use the word. Persist in the word. Speak. Speak back. Create an atmosphere. Find a place where you can just get yourself alone. If you have to go to a park from your home, if there are some people who are antagonistic in your home, go out to a park like you are walking and be addressing the devil. Don't worry about people who see you and they think you are mad. Don't worry about that. They think you've gone bonkers. I, 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 it happens to me most of the time. Whether I'm in the shopping mall, whether I'm in my car, whether I'm shopping, wherever I find myself, whether I'm in an office, the little space I get and the prompting that I get, I begin to issue a command. I begin to confess something positively. This is what generates the strength of God. And when the devil knows that you know, that you know, that you know, that you are totally delivered and set free, set free by the blood of the Lamb, he will flee from you. Flee, the word flee means you run away from you with fear and terror. He will be, you will be terrorizing the devil so that he will run away from you in fear and terror. So as he's going, the tail's like a dog. When you see a dog that is trying to always, I mean, back at you, back at you, and then one day you just stamp your feet. And you see that the dog will be running away with the tail be, between the legs. And that is how the devil, when the Bible says flee, that is how the devil is. The devil is not all powerful. 
There are some cultures, they speak too much of the devil. Hey, 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 don't allow Jesus is dwelling in you. Speak for the devil to flee from you. Don't give any credence to the devil. The Bible says that neither give place to the devil. No matter what he's doing still. I mean, command it. Speak against it. I mean, release the blood of Jesus. Speak to the devil that Jesus has finished it. He has turned things around. He has destroyed your works and you cannot in any way. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Please remember, resist the devil. No one can do this for you. That is why at times we pray for people. They are liberated as soon as they leave. Out of the service, as soon as they go, within some few days, the devil comes back. Because why? They are not resisting the devil. They are not submitting to God. If you remember, I mean, I told you about how God, I mean, uh, is removing the deadness. When we, I mean, the first day of the fast Friday, he's removing the deadness. And he doesn't want us to be like children of disobedience. What do we disobey? When we disobey what God says, and we don't give ourselves to it, and we don't do at times, let me tell you, it's not, most of the time it's a test to prove your heart, to prove your attitude, to prove whether you trust him against all the odds. Church, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. He will flee. And remember, the flee means what? Running away from you in fear and terror. With the devil's tails between its legs, running away from you, you, and I mean you. If only you apply the word, if only you submit to God and firmly take a stand. Say, devil, it doesn't matter how long you've been attacking my family, this thing stops now. It doesn't matter. It stops now. You've been having a full day attacking people, all angles. It stops now. And then you begin to pray. It doesn't matter how it gets worse. Resist, resist, because you are submitting to the word. Continue to confess, and the devil will flee. He will flee. He will pack bag and baggage. Yes. And run away from you. And then you will have a testimony. So then you begin to say that, wow, see what the Lord has done. So these things are not just mere platitudes. These are the heart of God. That he has shared with you and I. This is the mind of God. That he has enshrined in the blood of Jesus. Like he wouldn't have sent Jesus to come and die. If he did not mean business with you and I. It's an invasion. Taking over. To take back. What was stolen. From Adam and Eve. Adam means man. That means what was stolen from all of us. That is why Jesus came. Because you and I, as at that time, were no match for the devil. The devil would have finished us. But then when Jesus came, and then Jesus finished the devil, and then he passed on his strength, his power, his authority to you and I. That is why he says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Are you here? Yes. Are you being blessed, church? 
Glory to God. Let's go to the seventh and then I'll take you to the last one and finish. And then from next week, I will go back to the beginning. You see, I've established this so that you will know what Christ has already done for us. So that when I'm teaching on curses, you will not get scared. You need to get knowledge about curses. You see, it's about curses that we are studying that I, I brought you to the point that, I mean, when God is angry and he brings a curse upon people, it's only to the third and the fourth generation. But when God is blessing, even there he says to those who hate me. And I know that, I mean, none of us in our families, I mean, hate God. Just that at times in the weakness and then in submitting to the flesh and to the, to the world, at times people turn their backs on God. It doesn't mean they hate God, no. But then he says that when he's blessing, he blesses to what? Thousands of generations. Somebody say amen. amen. And that is why we are emphasizing the generational blessings. The generational blessings is what should establish our hearts. So that as we get knowledge about curses, we will not be scared. We know that Christ has disarmed the devil already. And he, was, he became a curse on the cross for you and I. So if we know how to appropriate the word of God, no curse, it doesn't matter where it's coming from because a causeless curse will not have any influence. A causeless curse will not alight. Proverbs 26 verse 2, a causeless curse will not have any influence. We'll be studying that. And so please, because these days we have a lot of wicked people that if you are playing with them and you are not careful, they will curse you. And there are people who have this kind of cursing, I mean, as their lifestyle. Everything they do, then they are cursing, cursing. And if you are not careful, it will have influence. That is why you need to get a full knowledge that you have generational blessings. So when an attack of a curse is sent to you, it cannot afflict and affect you. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. The servant says that God has established, I mean, a spiritual law. And the spiritual law, I mean, it's called the law of sin and death. You see, this law of sin and death is what is afflicting humanity. And Jesus Christ has come to overcome it. And he has established liberty for you and I in this. But then for this to become a reality in our lives, he says that God has an eternal gift. And the eternal gift that God gives to you and I, it is what? Eternal life. Somebody say, I'm in Romans 6, 23. God has made eternal life. That means that as we respond to him, we will live this life and continue to live into his presence and live with him forever. Somebody say, Amen. So this is what we are looking forward to. And this is the hope we have in Christ. And this is a generational blessing that through us is going to spill over to affect. I mean, even all the darkness in our families are going to be what? Dispelled. And the bright light of God will begin to shine so that we will all have this eternal life that God has given to us. It's a gift. When we say something is a gift, all that you need to do is to stretch your hands and take it. It's a gift. Jesus has purchased it and he's given it to us. So embrace it. Amen. Finally, I want you to know that God, Jesus Christ became a curse 
as I've already said, on the cross for you and I. Why did he become a curse on the cross? It's found in Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. That was the first scripture that we read. Galatians 3, those who are making notes. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Jesus has become a curse on the cross and has made available to you and I through his finished work of the cross, the blessings of Abraham. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. And through that, all the promises of God are made available to you and I. But then please remember, as I'm finishing, remember that you have to know your royal responsibility. You have freedom in Christ, but what are you using your freedom to do? In conclusion, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. He has given us everything. This is generational blessings that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may partake in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Please, he has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. But then it becomes ours notably and tangibly when we take a stand and meet our royal responsibility. He says through the knowledge of him, that is your royal responsibility, so that you become a partaker of the godly nature of God. May God continue to empower us, protect us, keep us, preserve us, put a pillar of fire and cause us to be willing to submit totally to his word, that we will be doers of his word, that we will heed to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how tough it seems and it appears, we will respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit so that the generational blessings that Christ has purchased for us through his blood and through his death will become our portion that you and I will have a strong access to the divine nature. This is our desire. This is our prayer, Lord. Help us. Do it for us. And let us experience so that the enemy will not confuse us of what you have already done for us. To you be all the glory in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you. Amen. God bless you. Please remember Monday, we are continuing with our fast. So our prayers will be in the evening, 7.30 to 8.30. God bless you. And please don't forget, without emphasizing too much, our prophetic seed. And also, please, again, every month, don't forget your desire to support the work of God. God bless you.
and take care. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Bye bye. Bless you, my man. And bless you, everybody. Take care. Bye bye, Claude. Bye. Bye, pal. Bye, Majela. Bye, everyone. Bless you, Mommy Elizabeth. Bless your heart. Take care. Bless you, too. Bye-bye. Pastor Vince, God bless you. Thank you. You, too. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God is about to do great things. I've already heard some testimonies that the Holy Spirit is pouring himself out at various universities in America. Uh, at Texas A&M, they had uh, over 100 people simultaneously baptized. It's just God is starting to move. So God is on the move. So let's rejoice in that. Amen. It's an awesome God. Awesome God. And let me hand it over to the bishop now, who's been leading us so well in uh, in our time of uh, fasting, and uh, <clears throat> not much longer to go. <laughs> Amen. I know by Thursday, then we'll be done. So we are all <laughs> gathering the momentum to finish hard. So let's all just press through and push through and pray through as well as we are gathering momentum to bring our fasting to an end on Thursday, which is the 21st day of September. God bless you all for your tenacity, your endurance, for coming every evening, and for all of us seeking the face of God. The Bible says how beautiful it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the ointment that is poured upon the head of Aaron, trickling down to the hem of his garment. And this is what God expects from you and I as we continue to seek his face in all dimensions of our individual lives. Remember, at times if you are not careful, I mean, you will think that, oh, my particular prayer request was not mentioned. Now, God knows all things. So as we are praying for other things, he's also taking care of what is, I mean, what is very pressing on our hearts. So I want you to not, not to, I mean, I mean, think that your, your particular prayer request has to be mentioned specifically before God can do it. No, I mean, at times we wait is for intercession. This time it has been, I mean, God activating the gifts that he has placed in us individually so that we'll be fruitful to our generation, we'll be fruitful to the kingdom of God, we'll be fruitful to our families, and we'll be fruitful to various countries that God God has placed us and positioned us. I believe that, I mean, once we are under the banner of United Kingdom, God wants us to seek the well-being of United Kingdom. So as we are praying, we are seeking God's goodness to come upon Rishi Sunak, his cabinet, I mean, the opposition, and all the rest of those who are in charge of leading the country, I mean, in the right way, so that God's blessings and peace will prevail over this land, so that you and I would live in peace and harmony, and also we extend it to the various countries that are being afflicted and affected by various I mean, disasters. I mean, some earthquake and some is a deluge of water. We are praying that God himself will visit uh, specifically Libya and Morocco. So, I mean, uh, seeking of the face of God positions you 
and your family to receive the best of goodness. I mean the preservation, the elevation of the mighty God who knows all things about you and who knows the things that you muse over in the very private room when you're alone and that you cannot even at times find words to express them or you don't have the confidence to speak it to anybody. So uh, don't be don't be scared. I mean, stand firm, stand tall, stand in the blood of the Lamb and know that Jesus, our Passover Lamb, has already been crucified and we are on the winning side. If even if there's, I mean, there's an arrow that is shot at you, Jesus himself will take the arrow. He has taken the arrow already. That is why we've been learning generational blessings, generational blessings, which indicates that you and your family, you are blessed beyond a curse. I need an amen. Somebody say amen. You are blessed beyond a curse. So the Plans, the activities, the manipulations of forces of darkness will never have any influence against you and all those who are connected to you. Because of Joseph, even unbelievers were blessed. And because of you, wherever you dwell, wherever you go, whoever is connected to you will receive the blessing, the shade of God because of you. So fear not and be of joy. Anytime we come every Sunday morning, it's a celebration time. We come to celebrate the resurrected Christ who has already shouted that it is finished. Not that it's going to finish. It is finished concerning everything. And it's a holistic, it is finished. When I say holistic, I mean it's a spirit, soul, and body. And at times he will test us to prove if we know that we know that it is finished. So it is finished. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. I want us because I want us to be uh, to get understanding of curses and how curses work. That is why I'm going back to take my time. Although we have seen the generational blessings and it is set in stone, nothing can change it. It is through the imputed righteousness of Christ, and it is a done deal. But then we need to be students who have or disciples who have knowledge. Of everything we speak about, not that we are just shallow and then we begin to just say things out of context and then we begin to say things, I mean, haphazardly and then when you are challenged, then you are shaking. That is why I'm taking my time. It's not that curses can destroy you, but I'm taking my time to teach you so that you can get a good understanding. Let me, I mean, for today, read our, uh, we're not going to stay long because we're not finished the fasting. And also, as you know, uh, uh, last week, as soon as I, I, I jumped out from here, I rushed to, uh, as usual every Sunday, I rushed to Northampton. And also, we didn't keep long there because of the fasting, because it's not everybody who can, I mean, endure for a long time. When we finish service and you want to break, feel free, you can break. I mean, uh, it's not a punishment. It is a call to seek the face of God. But if you feel that you want to extend it, that is between you and God. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't let anybody put any burden. We are not, I mean, going to save ourselves through our fasting. Christ has saved us. Our fasting makes us more, I mean, soft so that we can hear the voice of God. We can get close to God. And I mean, the flesh in us, the flesh that we all have in us will go down so that the spirit will gain ascendancy. You see, the flesh used to be at a point on top. But then when we accepted Jesus Christ, the flesh has been toppled and the spirit has gained ascendancy. 
So at times, the flesh, as we eat and do, I mean, drink and, I mean, uh, watch various movies and that kind of thing, then the flesh will be getting strength. And then the flesh will try to gain a comeback and fight with the spirit to get over. That is where you become so fleshly that at times when you are talking, you talk like an unbeliever. If you are not careful, you, you even, I mean, say things that you are not supposed to say. Why? Because the flesh is trying to come up. You see, but then... Uh, when he says that and the flesh is, I mean, challenging you and that kind of thing and you're, you're getting into the flesh quickly, you go into a time of fasting and you see that the flesh will go down and, I mean, the spirit will be empowered again. So it is for us. It is not for God. It is for us. It is for us. When it comes to God, uh, when it comes to God, all that he will do, he has done already through Jesus Christ. And nothing can be added, nothing can be taken away from it. It is for our well-being. So we read, I mean, numbers. I want you to take note of our main scriptures that we are reading. I want to read it again and then I'll go into methods through which cases are sent to us. That is what today I will emphasize on and then I'll continue as we go on. So I want us to read Numbers 22. We read it last week, but I want us to read it again. Numbers 22, we're reading from verse 9 through 12. My commentary will be very limited. He reads, Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. Verse 12. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Somebody say amen. Amen. You see, Egypt, he says they are coming from Egypt. Egypt stands for the world. We're all in Egypt. We're all in the world. But then God has taken us out of Egypt as he took the Israelites out of Egypt. And because we are taken out of Egypt and the blood has been applied to our doorpost as the angel of destruction was coming but could not go to where the blood was applied. The blood of Jesus has been applied to you and I. And because the blood has been applied to us, we cannot be affected, afflicted, demoralized, destroyed by any attack of the devil, by any attack of circumstance, unless we allow it. Unless we allow it. So you see, Balak, who was the king of Moab, the son of Zippor, saw these covenant people who were taken out of Egypt. That's as the worldly people, demons and forces of darkness are looking at you and I who have been taken out of Egypt. <coughs> and us, they were conquering and winning and conquering just as you and I have been winning and winning in various dimensions of our lives. And <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and also progressing our, our winning is intimidating demons and forces of darkness and evil people. And because the intimidation affected, I mean, Balak, son of I mean, Zippor, who is the king of Moab, he solicited the help of Balaam. That Balaam should go and cast. Note, that means a curse can be cast. 
that he should go and note it. You see the salient points that we'll be learning will all come from, I mean, our, our main scripture. That he should go and cast a curse upon the winning people or the Christians, if I'm to use that word, so that you can put yourself in it. So that their winning spree will be interrupted. Your winning spree will never be interrupted. I need an amen. Say my victory will never be interrupted. I'm not hearing you. Say my victory will never be interrupted. Yeah. You see, when there is what we call the power of auto-suggestion, anytime that you put the words in your mouth and you speak it, you see, when God was creating things, if he stood there and looked at the darkness and did not speak it out, light wouldn't have come. There is a correlation between what we believe and what we speak. If you believe it, you have to speak it. This is what, what we believe we speak. What we believe we speak. It is the speaking that gives power and force to it. That is why at times ministers will tell you, say this after me. Say this after me. Once again, it is not for the minister. It is not for fun. It is to generate something in the realm of the spirit. It is to bring that which is not there into existence. That is why we do that. So it is not a fun thing at all. I know that at times, because we at times we say it often and often, if you are not careful, you think, oh, I mean, if I don't say it and I believe it in my head, let me tell you, if you don't speak it with your mouth, it will not happen. God had to speak it. Let there be light. And there was light. Everything he created, he spoke it before he came. So if you believe and you don't speak it, <laughs> it will not happen. It's a process. It's a spiritual process. So please learn it. That's why we speak the power of positive confession. You speak it out. At times when you're alone and you're going through negative things, you speak the opposite of what you're going through and then you seal it with the blood of Jesus. Let yourself hear it. Let demons hear it. Let the environment hear it. Let circumstances hear it. So that you will set yourself on a different trajectory, far above what you are experiencing in the natural and in the physical. So what you believe, you got to say. What you believe, you got to learn to say it. You see, so he asked him to go. But then God took the initiative. And God came and God questioned Balaam. That, hey, who are these people with you? And he said, it is the king of I mean, Moab who has sent some men to me. That he has seen some people on a winning spree that I should go and curse. So that he can be able to fight against them. Note it. Curses can cause you to come to a place of stop where the enemy or circum negative circumstances can overpower you. God interrupted and God said, don't go and curse them because they are blessed. Remember, we are blessed beyond a curse. But then, if we don't understand how curses work, curses can interrupt. This is what the Bible is trying to teach us. Can indent can derail, can affect our progress, our sources, our continuity. Somebody say amen. amen. Glory to God. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 through 20. This is God speaking to his covenant people, you and I. Those that he has redeemed. Because, I mean, they are, they, he has taken them from bondage, that is Egypt. 
And now look at what God is telling them. Don't forget these things. Also giving reasons why curses can have effect against his own people. And this is God's own people. Those who are blessed beyond a curse. If we don't understand it carefully, a curse can interrupt you. And note it. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Note it. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Note it. He has given the reason that if you don't obey my voice, follow my statutes and my commandments, all these curses will come upon you and do what? Overtake you. Although that is not the plan of God. Read the rest. Read the rest. 16 to 20 because last week I read it. I want you to continue to read it. And then in Mark chapter 11, Jesus also taught that curses spoken, if allowed, can have influence. And it is found in Mark 11, verse 11 to 14, that Jesus went to a fig tree which was not the season for fruit, to look for fruit. And I told you that, you see, once it was not the season for fruit and for Jesus going there, that means he wanted to use it to teach them a higher lesson, not just for the fruit, because he knew that it was not the time for fruit. So he knew that he would not get fruit. But then he wanted to teach them something. And when he went, and truly there was no fruit because it was not a season for fruit, he cursed. And then when they were coming, the second day, from 20 to 21, Peter looked at it and said, Rabbi, look at the tree that you cursed. It has perished to the roots. That means curses can have influence. And then that is why I gave you a definition of a curse. What is a curse? A curse is a vehicle of supernatural power of evil against your life. I want it to be very simple. A curse is a vehicle. A vehicle is moving. Vehicles move. A vehicle, that is why it can stay for long in families because it's a vehicle of supernatural power of evil against your life. It can set you back. It can put you down. It can bring sicknesses and diseases that can be inherited in a family from person to person. It can bring sudden death or untimely death in families because it is a vehicle and if this supernatural evil, if it is not interrupted and stopped, it will continue to move because it has been set in motion. That is how dangerous cases are. I've seen a lot of Christians, instead of getting knowledge and dealing with what they are experiencing in their family, they just, I mean, I mean, just take it lightly. And then the thing will be happening and happening and happening. Why? Because there is not an interruption. There is not a reversal. Thank God that the grand reversal has been done by Jesus Christ. 
But then God says that we should heed his voice, do his statutes and his commandments so that this vehicle of supernatural evil will not have influence against our lives. If you are here, say amen. Amen. So now the question is, if we look through it, you see that they come through a particular method. And now I want to speak to you about the methods, some of the methods. It's not going to be exhaustive, but some at least so that it will. And, and this is where I will, I will finish today. I mean, the methods through which cases come to us, to people, to nations, to groups, to communities, to families, how it comes. The first that we have seen that it's glaring is through, the first method is through words and pronouncements. Words and pronouncements. Horrible words, wicked words can be spoken and pronounced over a place, over a country, over a community over a person, over a people. And if this vehicle of supernatural evil spoken through words, as Balak went to Balaam and said, come and speak curses over them. And as was demonstrated through Jesus Christ when he spoke, it was through words that Jesus spoke the curse over the fig tree. And the following day, his curse issued because it was not stopped. It was not reversed. It was not interrupted. It was not negated. Had influence. So the first method is words and pronouncements. Please, let's be careful with the words that people speak over us. That we speak over people. That we speak over ourselves. Don't say you are joking. The devil, the demons, they don't joke. As soon as you say, I'm dead, this sickness will kill me. This problem has finished me. At times I see some people, they say just for, they think they are joking. And as soon as they say, this problem will finish me, will kill me. Lo and behold, you see that somewhere along the line, that particular thing that they have accepted a supernatural vehicle of evil will have negative impact in their lives until their lives succumb fully to the destructive element of these horrible words and pronouncements. The second method is through spells. Say spells. Let me hear you say spells. I mean spells as in S-P-E-L-L-S. Spells. You see? Yeah, spells. So you see, there are some evil people who can cast spells. 
I know that if, if you are somebody before you got born again, if you have listened to those, the psychics, they say that, oh, I can cast spells. And some of them say spells of, I mean, of fortune, spells of protection, spells of romance, and that kind of thing. They can cast spells. And they can also cast spells of sickness, spells of setback. Not only them. There are a lot of people who have gone into to learn how to cast spells. Some even are Christians. They think it's okay. They read books. And I'm talking of esoterical books, occultic books, six and seven books of Moses. And then they will use those they think, oh, if, if I hurt this person, let me just, I mean, apply these spells against the person. And then wherever you are, spells, it doesn't matter. Spells can move. It doesn't matter distance. So you can't run away and say the people that have done bad things against, they are, they are somewhere in, I mean, in Australia. So if, if I move to, uh, let's say, Accra, it's far away, so their spells will not reach me. No, you are joking. You are joking. The spells can move through the atmosphere, not touch anybody, and come and touch just only you. Because the world that we live in is spiritual. This world is more spiritual than physical. That is why you need to be very spiritual. I'm not scaring you. I've told you already. That is why I started from what? The generational blessings. So don't be scared. This is for knowledge. So that you can stand and know how to resist these things. Because they are there. There are some Christians, they do these things. I've, I've heard that people these days, when they get uh, issues with people, then they will go naked and then they will, they will I mean, literally, I mean, crawl on, on their backside, on the floor. And then they will be making certain, or some people will just look at maybe uh, uh, after 12 o'clock in the night, then they will be naked and go and stand maybe outside and then they will cast spells, say they are dispatching the evil forces of darkness to come and affect you. No wonder God called for light out of darkness so that these influence can be stopped in our lives. So if somebody casts a spell with your name and let's say it has a reason, it has a cause, it can have influence. That is why you need to know these things and know how to do what? Reverse them. Stand against them. Apply the finished work of Jesus as a person who is generationally blessed. Spells at times are done in a form of reciting and, I mean, using some, some even use needles and then they tie things together, mentioning your name. They use, I mean, black thread or red thread or white thread. Each one has what it has to do. And then they will be saying negative things to affect you, mentioning your name several times, several times. And as they go on and mention your name several times, the spell will have influence. We know, we know in various places that when people come from certain families and they think that, oh, you, you have become rich and you are not helping, and then they'll cast a spell against the person who, are, who they think they have become rich and they are not helping. And before you realize, the person will paralyze. Or the person will get some sicknesses. And before you realize, the person is gone. 
And 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 if you play with it, this thing can have influence. The next three is projections and predictions. Say projections. Projections. Let me hear you. Say projections and predictions. Projections and predictions. Yes. You see, a projection is something that is not vocalized. It is in the mind or the head of the evil person. Or the person who wants to project against something negative against somebody. They they do it in their in their head. And because they've got these demonic spirits back in it, as they think about you negatively. And muse over you. You see, when you want to get close to God, you meditate. So projections in the negative sense are demons or evil people's way of meditating over bad things to happen to a place, a people, a group of, I mean, it can be even, they can do projections even against a church. People do it in their minds. Some even can be can be in the midst of the family and still projecting bathroom because they are envious. Some people can, excuse my language, be in a church and still project bad things against the church. They are in the church and still projecting is in their mind. So if God does not give you discernment, how can you know what is in the mind of people? And some can be your friends. You are telling them, oh, this thing has happened. This thing is going on. You see, when you have people who become excessively curious about your progress, about your steps, and I'm talking of excessively curious, not the people you pray with, not the people who wish you well, not the people who speak good things, not the people who celebrate with you, but people, maybe you've met them, maybe they are in your family, but they are too excessively curious. They bring projections. That's a lie. That's something bad. You, you read some too. The Bible says it. Why do the people rage and imagine vain things? They are imagining vain things. That is projections. They are raging and they are imagining what? Vain things. That is projections. Sending it your way. That some people, they hate the progress. They hate the senses. They hate the giftings. They hate the progress. They hate the beauty. They hate the connections of other people. Let me tell you, as I'm saying this, let me tell you, you are unique in your own right. Whatever God has decided, he planned it even before you were born. So what belongs to you has your name attached to it. And nobody Unless you don't know and you allow these evil projections to have a way, nobody can take what belongs to you. Because your name is attached to it. I need an amen here. Your name is attached to whatever God has sanctioned for your life before you were born. But then people can bring projections. Have you come across people anytime they hear that something good has happened in the life of somebody, then they are making faces and then they are saying, hey, he, he said, he's the only one, that, hey, and then they are saying negative. That's projections. And predictions, they, they speak it. Ah, let's wait. In the next five, ten years, something will happen. 
There are people who relish themselves in saying that that good thing that has started should not finish in the life of somebody. That sickness that attacked that person should come back again. No way. Just to satisfy their evil inclination within themselves. This world is spiritual. Look at, look at Joseph. Look at Joseph. Let, let me just give you a, a typical case in point. Look at Joseph. He didn't initiate the dream. It was God who brought a dream to him. And out of excitement and love for his family, he shared the dream with his parents and his brethren. And that became the source of plotting and planning. First, they were imagining, that is projections, bad things to happen to him. And then they went into predictions. And then later, they started making pronouncements. And that is what drove them. That when he was taking food to them, when he was thinking about their well-being, they were plotting his demise. He was bringing, I mean, strength and energy to his brethren and they were plotting his demise and disgrace. Anybody who plots your disgrace, may the blood of Jesus rise up against such individual. Anybody who will sit down and try to concoct negative things against your elevation. May God's goodness intervene. And may God expose and bring their evil activities to nothing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. From projections and predictions, we go to abominable gifts and food. Please note it carefully. These are deep teachings that I'm making. Abominable gifts and food. This is not to scare you. If you just eat, just eat without praying over food. Some evil people can destroy your destiny through food. Because it, once it goes into you, it begins to wrestle with you. So many people have gotten evil sicknesses, diseases, and some have been set back in their line of success and progress because of what? Abominable gifts and food. Abominable. Why? Because the food is, they do incantations over the food. Or they cast spells over the food. Or they make Horrible projections over the food before they give it. And some, they give abominable gifts. Note it. Usually in the form of... The, <laughs> this gift can be any form of any gift. It can be any gift. But at times they are so peculiar. Beads. Especially the ladies. If somebody is trying... Oh, I, I, I bought these beads and I bought some for you. Be careful. Be careful. How did they know your waist size? Oh, it doesn't matter. Some of them will say, oh, let me put it around your waist. And let me, he's giving you witchcraft. He's setting witchcraft against you. Or a bangle. Or a necklace. It can be a shirt. It can be a blouse. 
It can be an underwear. Peculiar, peculiar, peculiar. Now I have contact with your body. Oh, glory to God. Any abominable gifts and food that you have eaten, may God flush it out by his power in the name of Jesus. Any gift that has any spell cast over us, any predictions and projections that are meant to harass, torment, invade your life, your trajectory into progress and success, I stand against you with the blood of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary, and bring liberation to you and your family in the name of Jesus. Amen. So be careful of a lady was going to get married, very young girl, very enthusiastic, to a young boy, and the boy, I mean, has been in ministry, though, I mean, he's an IT professional, and he's doing both alongside, and has been in ministry, he's been used of God. So, I mean, I, they came to my counseling sessions, and I realized, oh, this couple, if all goes well, are going to be a very lovely and beautiful couple in the work of God. But then, b- before, the lady was introduced to the family directly, and I'm talking of the aunties, blah, blah, blah. The Lord told me to tell the girl that they will give you, I mean, necklace. And it will be very precious. But if you take it, and if you contact your body, your delivery will be impaired. You see, these things, I mean, do you know, she went, they ate and everything, and one of her, the sisters of, I'll say, an auntie of the young man, that means the sister of his in-law, took this young girl to the room and then said, oh, I've got these special necklaces. I mean, they are very special and I want to give them to you. And then she remembered. And then also some aunties. And he said, oh, oh, auntie, thank you so much. You've thought about because I, the Lord gave this word before she went, she knew what to say so that you will not put it on. Thank you so much, auntie. They are beautiful. They are lovely. I keep them in my bag and as soon as I go, I'll show it to my mom so that we can come and thank you and then I'll start wearing them. Thank you so much. And then she put it in her bag. She said, auntie, let's join them so that they will not get worried about what we are doing. Quickly went back. Why? Because God spoke ahead of time. If she had not been... T- I'm not saying this because I'm a prophet. Please don't play with your prophets. Oh. I need amen. I need a better amen. You, you, you see, uh, something concerning you, before it will happen, God will just tell somebody who doesn't know anything you're about to do. Or God will burden somebody who is gifted and called ministers. This is what we are called to do. We are spiritual people who give oversight. We have become so familiar that in these days you give somebody even a prophecy and it happens, they take it for granted. They think it's normal. Eh? It's not normal. You got to thank God. You got to celebrate God. That God has revealed or spoken something into your life that has preserved you and kept you. That has interrupted in a case that we could all brought a blessing in a way to your life. Don't take it lightly. Amen. That is what I like. What I mean, Pell, when we we're doing the congregational discussion uh, on Friday, Pell said, "We want to thank God, and please, don't don't stop short 
of thanking God. When God moves unusually in your lives. Because listen, there are some people, they went through the same thing, but they did not have any warning from any quarter. And somehow, the enemy has indented their lives. When you die, when you die, at least, I mean, yes, it's going to pain your people, but then you will not feel it. But then when you get a disease, a sickness, and then you are still alive and you are not dead, this is what the enemy will afflict you gradually. So don't play with prophetic. No, 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 no. The Bible says that, I mean, if you believe in the prophets, you shall prosper. Amen. Amen. So he speaks through us so that we can bring guidance. So that this supernatural vehicle of evil that you cannot see, at times those who, 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 who cast them against you, they are the most loveliest people that you, you, you've ever known and met in your family. They always, I mean, try to treat you special in the physical, but in the spirit, they're against you. They're against you. They hate your progress. Amen. Amen. And at times too, We are five, yeah? Five. The fifth is sexual intercourse. Se Please listen to me. If, if, if you're a woman or you're a man, please, please note this carefully. It's not everybody that we sleep with. I want to say it. It's not everyone that we sleep with. Amen. Amen. Let's be very, very, very careful about this. This doesn't mean that as if you just maybe sleep with somebody and then a curse will come upon you. No, that is not. There are some people, they are a no-go area. Amen. The devil Amen. has fortified them to destroy people. So if you think that you are having edges. I tell people, quickly, quick, uh, just find somebody you love and just get married to the person. Oh, let, let me come and I can bless it even on phone. So that you can, you can feel free and, yeah, we bless on phone. It's a marriage. And then later, if you want to wear, I mean, pose and wear the gown and take pictures, call your family, you can do that. You see, we, we, we need to be smart. We need to use the wisdom of God and stop burdening ourselves unnecessarily. Amen. Some prolong it, and because of that, I mean, the person who was really ready, and then they, 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 they back off. And then you are, excuse me to say, you are burning and burning, and then before, if you are not careful, then you end up going to sleep with a no-go area person. And then this person will bring, I mean, some afflictions upon your life. No. Are you here? Uh, 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 yeah. Now I'll be elaborating on it further on. So I won't. The, the, the last one that we need to be very careful about is in, we call incantational prayers. Say incantational. Prayers. You see, there are some books. Let me tell you. I'm not, I'm not, I have to be plain to you. Some, some, some ministers use them. When you, when you go to Bible school, there's something we call philosophy. It's magical art behind theology. And it is taught. 
and especially, uh, not that I'm putting that church on the spot, but especially the Roman Catholic Church, they use it a lot. That is why a Roman Catholic minister can do an incantational prayer and kill somebody without using a knife, using a gun. And some of our charismatic ministers these days are using that. So please be careful. Don't just be be speaking evil about ministers that you don't know. Be careful. Because you don't know who is using these things. Hello? Be very careful. Some of us will think that, oh, it is this thing that we are doing, it's not democracy. Let me tell you. Christianity is not democracy. Christianity is theocracy. The rule of the spirit. And it is the rule of the spirit of God. That is why if you take it lightly, like, oh, it's a democracy, everybody can say their mind. Hey, you have to be careful. There are some things in the kingdom of God we don't touch. We don't speak against. We don't cross. We don't play with. We don't take for granted. Why is it that Jesus will even say that? Even without discerning the lost body, even the lost supper, he says if you take it without discerning the lost body, you invite curses, sicknesses, and even death unto yourself. This is the lost supper. That is why I, I believe in teaching it clearly for people to understand before we, we even go into it. People who don't know think that, oh, oh, we can just do it anyhow. No, 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 no. Even Jesus said it with a warning. With a warning that if you don't design the body correctly, you invite curses, sicknesses, and death unto yourself. So some people do what we call incantational prayers. Amen. Amen. Please, they can project, mention your name, do some prayers, and send some things against you. It's evil. People who really want to serve God, ministers, don't even handle those books. Those things were electives you can choose not to do when you are, when you are in, a, in, a, in a theological school. So some of us who just need only the Holy Spirit, we chose not to do, but we know it. It's there. It's books. As soon as you use, you can, they can tell you, read this psalm for, and still it's the Bible they are used to you know, read this psalm for about seven, seven times, mention the name about 13 times, and maybe circle this, 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 and say this, and this thing will happen to that person. And it works because the realm of the spirit is spiritual. That is why God said, I'm a spirit. And they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And evil invocations. I want to end here. Evil invocations. People can invoke. The invocations and incantations are certain repeated demonic words. That if they speak over and over again and bring you into it or draw a circle, put your name into it and make the incantations or make the invocations. It doesn't matter where you are. Something horrible will come and afflict you. But we bless the name of the Lord God Almighty. 
who said to us that if you heed my voice, follow my commandments and my statutes, none of these cases will come near you. Blessed be the name of the Lord who sent Jesus Christ to become a curse for you and I. The Bible says that curse be the one who hung on the cross. Christ, your Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And every case, if you walk in line, in harmony, with the direction of the Holy Spirit, because we are living in a dispensation of the Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you that words, pronouncements, spells, projections, and predictions, abominable gifts and foods, sexual intercourses, incantational prayers, and evil invocations will not have any influence against you because you are blessed beyond a curse. Somebody, God bless you. God bless you. Let's begin to pray and thank God that we are blessed beyond a curse.